Our reading is from Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through to 43. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered round him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders, named Jairus, came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed round him, and a woman was there who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, because she thought, If I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned round in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciple answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Thank you. Uh, well, it's very good to be with you uh, again at this Tuesday lunchtime, and uh, well done for finding the time to get here. I know it's not easy in the middle of a working day to carve time out at lunchtime, uh, but uh, it's a wonderful passage, this, and uh, it's the last in our little series on fear uh, or faith, and this week we're thinking about power that heals. I'm going to pray and uh, just take a moment to pause before we come to God's Word. Shall we pray? Our gracious Father, we live in a world where we are confronted by the reality of sickness and death. And we thank you that into that world you have spoken. And you have spoken by your Son on the pages of your word. And we pray now that as we come to your word, we might hear your voice. 
and find words of comfort and truth. And crucially, Father, words of hope. So would you help us now to understand this passage as we look at it together. In Jesus' name, Amen. She changed world opinion and gave hope to people. Uh, We're thinking today about the power of touch. Those were Bill Clinton's words of someone who knew all about the power of human touch. It's a very subtle thing, isn't it, touch? But also very powerful. Uh, If you've ever had the privilege of watching Lionel Messi play football or or, or Roger Federer on the tennis court or, or, or you've seen Joe Root batting in a test match, you'll know it's a very subtle thing, touch. Something quite beautiful about it but also very powerful as well. It's the same, isn't it, just in our our interactions day to day with with people. Touch is subtle and yet also powerful. And so there are boundaries, aren't there, when it it comes to to touch. One one, one person, I mean, different examples, aren't there? One person touching another uh, in a word of comfort uh, at a bedside in hospital. Uh, Well, that's a welcome thing, isn't it? But uh, a colleague... Holding hands with another, perhaps not wholly appropriate, maybe entirely unwelcome, maybe something really quite unsettling about that. It differs on the context, doesn't it? Subtle and yet powerful. And so there are boundaries, lines that are not to be crossed. Bill Clinton was talking, by the way, about Diana, Princess of Wales. Of course, August marks the 20th anniversary of her death. She, of course, was somebody who we remember as uh, having the ability to touch so many lives. She understood the power of touch. She understood the power of a camera lens. Uh, she uh, is often remembered very fondly for her, her visits. She made a number of them to uh, the Mild May Hospice in Shoreditch for HIV and AIDS victims. And she knew what she was doing as she reached out and touched those men and women with whom she spoke. Uh, often they were private visits, uh, away from the media, but some were public and the images went viral. The untouchable, Diana, Princess of Wales, royalty no less, touching the untouchable. And she sent a message which broke down barriers around a disease, around, of course, there was great social stigma. Hence Bill Clinton, she changed world opinion and gave hope to people with AIDS. It's a powerful thing, hope, and all because she recognised the power of touch. Now, of course, here in the affluent West, our, our sort of dominant worldview is that suffering must be eradicated at all costs because I deserve, I must have a comfortable life. And yet the reality is, as we get older, we know, don't we, that sickness and death, which of course we find here in our Bible reading today, are inevitable. They are like a shadow that hangs over us. Uh, and as we saw last week, So often in in Mark's Gospel here in the New Testament, the physical is a picture of the spiritual. Mark knows what he is doing as he writes his Gospel. And of course we know, don't we, that our world is scarred by physical sickness and indeed death because it has been corrupted by our spiritual sickness, that is our, our own personal moral failure, what the Bible calls sin. And so physical death is a sign, if you like, it is a shadow of the spiritual death that each one of us faces. And as we think about what this man, Jesus, has to offer in the face 
of death. Again, our question this week, it's been the same throughout this series, is fear or faith? How will we respond to Jesus, with fear or faith? Well, let's have a look here. Mark sets the scene for us. You could have a look with me in in the reading. These first few verses, 21 to 24, we're in Capernaum, large crowd, Jesus by the lake. And here are the two people that feature in this encounter. The first is Jairus. Uh, He's he's a synagogue ruler. He's wealthy, well-known in the community. And that means he is powerful. But we also discover he is desperate. And so seeing Jesus, he falls at Jesus' feet and pleads with him. Now put yourself back into the first century as you watch this. This is pretty striking. Uh, uh, Presumably somewhere around the Palace of Westminster, it's possible to see very powerful figures walking around occasionally, I guess, if you're in the right place at the right time. You all know better than me where that happens, but it happens. Well, now imagine that you see that person and you watch him or her as they fall at the feet of a kind of wandering rabbi. I imagine you don't see that sort of thing happening very often. But that is what happens here. This powerful figure falls at Jesus' feet. What does he say? Have a look with me. My little daughter is dying. Your heart goes out to him, doesn't it? Please come and put your hands on her. That's the power of touch. So that she will be healed and live. At the laying on of hands, nothing magic, by the way. It's just a natural gesture of healing. So Jesus goes with him. But then there's this woman in verse 27 who has heard about Jesus and she thinks that he also might be able to help her. And Mark is showing us here uh, two people, I don't know if you saw it as Claire read it, two people from opposite ends of the social spectrum, quite possibly with different voting patterns, I would imagine. They'd be sort of from different voting demographics. We have a man of high standing and a woman essentially of no standing. It struck me on the way here that they could, of course, both live, perhaps very near each other, in a place like Kensington. It's just they would live in very different types of housing. And yet we're going to find out that they have something very significant in common. And we're going to see it all through the lens of touch. Here's the first thing. Healing power. Jesus is touched by the untouchable. Just follow with me from verse 26. Here's this woman. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. In Jewish law, this woman is ceremonially unclean. That means she's not allowed to participate in temple worship. She cannot be out in public without making people aware of her condition. It's pretty humiliating. And it's a chronic condition, so we're told that for 12 years, she has lived under the shadow of being unclean. She's spent everything she has on treatment, and yet far from getting better, she's got worse. This is bleak. She's broke, she is socially ostracised, she is religiously excluded. In summary, she may as well be dead. Now, can you imagine what it is like to be unclean? Can you imagine what it is like to have to declare your condition to others wherever you go? And I guess we struggle to feel this really, don't we? Ours is a different culture. We struggle to understand what this would be like in 21st century London. But I imagine if you have have a criminal record uh, or some other disclosure that means you can't apply for a job without first declaring what it is that is on your file, it's a bit like that. I know people for whom that's an issue. They're really struggling to find work. 
because of something they have to declare. Or maybe you're a public figure and you know that the press will never quite forget that misdemeanour. And it may have been many years ago, but they will bring it up whenever they need to. Or maybe less public, but no less significant. There's just something on your file at work. Or maybe a gap in your CV. Or not on paper, but just on your conscience. Something which just won't go away. And you know you're unclean. You know there's this shadow that hangs over you. And you carry it with you wherever you go. That is what this woman has. And in fact, Mark's Gospel says it is what all of us have. It's a spiritual condition called sin. I mean, which of us, I won't ask for hands up, but which of us here could say, I've got a clean record? I know I couldn't. And it means that we live, all of us, under a cloud of judgment. So what do we do? Well, what does this woman do? She turns to Jesus. She's convinced that just by touching Jesus' clothing, she'll be healed. And she is. Immediately her bleeding stops. But then follow what happens. It's interesting this, because Jesus feels the power go out from him in verse 30, and he wants to know who touched him. The disciples think this is ridiculous. It's, you know, there's this huge crowd of people, and you want to know who touched you. This is like the tube in rush hour, and you're asking who touched you. But Jesus won't let it go. So just look with me at verse 33 as the conversation opens up. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. It is a wonderful moment. And yet just consider this question. Given what has just happened, why would she be trembling with fear? She's been healed. Her bleeding has stopped. What is there to be afraid of? Well, she's unclean. And for her to touch even Jesus' clothing would make him unclean. And so what will Jesus do? Will it make him angry to be touched by someone unclean? Will he turn this woman away? Well, no, we discover, because such is his power that what defiles us does not defile him. So Jesus can allow her to touch him And he can absorb her shame. And so he can free her from her suffering. The word here for healed, by the way, could more literally be translated as saved. Because what is happening here is far more than just medical or even social. Remember, the physical, a picture of the spiritual in Mark's Gospel. This woman has been saved through her faith in Jesus. She was effectively dead. But now she's been saved. But how is that possible? Well, it's only possible because the shadow of death which hangs over this woman does not hang over Jesus. And again, Mark is pointing us, he's always pointing us, to the cross where Jesus is headed. Because as Jesus saves this woman who is living with death, it is a trailer, if you like, for what he will do for Jairus' daughter who is overcome by death. And that in itself then points you and I to what he will do for us at the cross where Jesus willingly defiled himself to make us clean. That is at the cross God reaches down and touches the untouchable. He does it through Jesus who takes upon himself our sin 
and our shame. And he gives himself over to death and the judgment it brings in order to save us. And that is how he can offer us hope in the face of death. Because if we put our faith in Jesus, then we know that we can stand before God confident that we are clean. That is the healing power of Jesus. Then the saving power. And now Jesus himself touches the untouchable from sickness to death itself. Read with me from verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? It's over, Jairus. We're really sorry, but they did everything they could. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. Now Jairus has just witnessed the healing of this woman, so this is a test here. Uh, Earlier on in the conversation, he believes that Jesus can save his daughter as she lies there dying. Please come and lay hands on her. But now he's being asked to believe that Jesus can save his daughter as she lies there dead. You know, he was willing to believe the difficult, but now he's being asked to believe the impossible. Now look, all of us have doubts, don't we? I don't know if you're a Christian believer here uh, today or or perhaps just looking at these things, but I don't know a single Christian believer who does not still have doubts, who doesn't occasionally wonder, is this really true or does it all add up? That's very, very normal. But faith in Jesus is not about having all the answers and never a moment of doubt. And incidentally, that little phrase here, just believe, it, it doesn't mean, just ignore the facts, you know, just just kind of abandon all sort of rational thinking. No, it doesn't mean that. It means let go of your fears and hold on to what you know to be true about Jesus. It means collapsing into the arms of Jesus and trusting that he will hold you even in death. That is what faith is. I'm trying to think how to explain this. Uh, uh, on holiday last year up in the Lake District, we, uh, uh, we, we took the job, got three small children, we took the, the kids on uh, uh, Go Ape. I, I don't know if you know Go Ape. You know the sort of high ropes course in forests and things, and there's even one in Battersea Park now, which is hardly a sort of Bear Grylls wilderness experience, but you know what I mean. Uh, these high ropes things. And we did the children's one. So I slightly thought, you know, do this for the kids. It's the right thing to do. They're on holiday. Give them a good time and so on. But it'll be pretty dull, really, you know, and so on. Uh, and uh, Let me tell you, it was anything but... As far as I was, I was concerned, it was properly high up, really quite exposed, and uh, I, you know, I kind of, I, I found myself thinking, okay, this is this is not quite the sort of children's thing that I'd envisage, sort of thing. And you you start sort of wondering all the things that the health and safety executive might have a problem with, and you become very very aware of risk. And then wonderfully, it being April in the Lake District, it rained. Uh, some would say it was hail, and it was cold and windy, and suddenly I felt quite scared and began to not really enjoy myself. And uh, I was up there with my wife, three children. We were sort of staggered in between them, moving them around. And at one point, I turned around, basically feeling cold and a little bit frightened and quite looking forward to this being over. And our four-year-old was just hanging there, suspended uh, above thin air, off a wire and a harness. He had given a you know, hat, glove, coat, you know, trying to sort of stay, stay warm and dry. And he had decided it wasn't worth the effort to clamber and cling on and you know, put your feet on the wooden steps and you know, use the wire. He just sat there hanging in thin air, and relied on my wife to pull him along on the cable. And I was thinking, 
that's just, I, I wasn't thinking this at the time. I was thinking other things at the time. But as I look back on that, okay, I was thinking, there is a picture of faith. There was no denial of the realities. It was wet, it was cold, it was a bit frightening. We were high up, we were exposed. And yet, for our four-year-old, he just collapsed into the harness, absolutely confident that it would hold him. And that is a picture of faith. Faith is collapsing into the arms of Jesus and trusting that he will hold us. Because only Jesus has the power to save us from the spiritual death that we face. It doesn't make death go away, straight away. It doesn't make death any easier. It doesn't take away the pain. There may even be some fear. But it does trust that Jesus will hold us. For the woman, you see, it's the shadow of death. It's a living death. For Jairus' daughter, it's the reality of death. That's what Jairus has to cope with. But the question for both is the same. Fear or faith? How will they respond? Well, what happens for Jairus? Well, look at verse 40. That The mourners, of course, they laugh. You know, they don't take Jesus seriously. Like many people uh, in London today, they just don't take him seriously. But he leaves them all outside. And Jesus goes into this little girl who is now a dead body. And in this moment, we find that death to Jesus really is just sleep. And so we read, he took her by the hand, that's the power of touch, and with a word, she lives. Now again, let me ask you, can you see what Mark is showing us here? Just look at verse 41 for a moment. What does Jesus do? Again here, he crosses the boundary and he touches the unclean. Earlier he was touched by the unclean, now he touches the unclean. Here is a dead girl. On two occasions I've had the experience of touching a dead body. It's not the sort of thing you forget. But let's be honest, in this day and age, no great stigma attached. But back in the first century, in Old Testament Jewish law, to touch a dead body was to defile yourself. You became ceremonially unclean. You did not do it. And yet Jesus takes her by the hand. And in doing so, he is making the statement, I will go where others cannot. Where death is a barrier to you, it is not to me. And I can touch death, because I am the one who will overcome death by rising again. Princess Diana, of course, changed social attitudes towards those suffering from AIDS and HIV. She broke the social barriers But nobody was raised to life. She couldn't break through the barrier of death itself because only Jesus can do that. And in verse 42 we're told, immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She she didn't need to stay in for, for 24 hours just under observation. No, it was immediate. That is the power of Jesus over even death itself. Healing power, saving power. Fear or faith. Jesus says, don't be afraid, just believe. This is a picture here of the faith in Jesus that brings salvation. Jairus and this woman are from opposite ends of the social spectrum, different parts of Kensington. And yet it's what they have in common that matters. And it reveals for us that their faith is real. Did you see what it was? It's that they're both desperate. It's all in the body language, isn't it? 
Body language says so much, doesn't it? It reveals far more than we often realise. They're both desperate. Jairus is untouchable because he's one of the elite. He falls at Jesus' feet. The woman is untouchable because she's on the margins of society. And yet if she could just touch even his clothing, that would do something, she thinks. And yet both, when they came to Jesus, fell at his feet. To do that, you've got to feel that deep despair of the soul. You've got to know that in the face of death, in the face of your own moral failure, you have nowhere else to go. doesn't matter which bit of Kensington you live in. Spiritually, it's the same for everyone. And the truth is, just worth thinking about this as we finish, if we've never felt that deep moral despair, you know, that sense of desperation that we stand unclean before a holy God, well, we probably haven't understood yet why Jesus came. In which case, we won't know truly the freedom from fear that belongs to those who put their faith in Jesus for salvation. But if we will put our trust in Jesus, then he will save us from death and he will open the door to eternal life. That's why it's such good news. Shall we pray? I will pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this wonderful picture here of healing power and saving power. And we thank you that in sending Jesus, you were willing, out of your love for us, to touch the untouchable. And we thank you that at the cross, Jesus broke through the barrier of death to make us clean, so that we might know you and live with you in eternal life. In his name we pray. Amen.